If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. You know what? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the one thing I think you need to know to understand what's happening here with this impeachment saga, this impeachment nonsense we're being subjected to on a daily basis now. Headline from CNN, CNN.com, America's most trusted most trusted name in news. Don't know if that's before or after these allegations against Don Lemon. Not sure if you saw that. Oz shared that with me this morning. I feel like I need to wash my ears and eyes out after after listening to that and seeing some of the things written about Don Lemon. But anyhow, anyhow, headline of this article, CNN cancels Democratic presidential town halls because of impeachment trial. See, I love, I love how this is positioned. I love how this is positioned as interfering with the campaign season. What are Senators Klobuchar, Senators Warren, and Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden supposed to do? This is going to take them off the campaign trail. Not Joe Biden, I'm sorry. But Klobuchar, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, am I forgetting somebody? Anyway, what are they going to do? It's going to take him off the campaign trail. To that, I say, bet me it will. This is the campaign trail. This is what it looks like in 2020 to run for president of the United States. And this, my friends, is what they want. Just think about this. You have Iowa caucuses in, what, just a little over a week away, February 3rd, I believe, Monday, February 3rd, and they are literally – not letting the Democrat candidates persuade the voters in Iowa to vote for them a couple of days before the caucus. They have decided, CNN, which if you look, if you look at CNN and the rest of the liberal media as a really a vessel, really a part, maybe, maybe the central part of the PR communication campaign team, whatever you want, the, the PR team, the marketing firm, what have you, of the Democrat Party, and you understand that they cancel the town hall meetings with these jokers, and they put on, they put instead this nonstop, endless drivel of impeachment saga. Anyway, that's to me all you need to know. If you want to know what they think about the political ramifications 
and what the stronger political case would be with their voters, uh, with their voters, actually hearing from their candidates or hearing Adam Schiff up there at the podium talking about the same thing he talked about yesterday, the same thing he talked about the day before. Anyway, welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. That's the way to get me by email, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. If you want to watch me here in the studio, here in the, in the home studio, you can get a glimpse of the things here in the, in the office, including this uh, Trump coffee mug, which is a gift of my father-in-law. I'm sure he would be proud to hear me say that this morning. Anyway, it's good to have you here. And while you're on the Facebook page, be sure to like us as well. You know, I had a poll. I put a poll on the on the Facebook page. Whose job is it to hire and to employ ambassadors? Which which branch of the government? Based on yesterday's impeachment uh, discussions, well, not really discussions, just lecture, I guess, from Adam Schiff. What is the the party responsible? Excuse me, the the um, branch of government responsible for hiring and filling ambassadorships or other um, other folks who are engaged in diplomacy, diplomats around the world? Is it the A, the executive branch, which, is, which of course is the president, or is it B, the legislative branch, which is Congress? The answer, the answer is A, the executive branch. And that matters because it seemed yesterday after hearing Adam Schiff and these other cast of characters talking about impeachment of the president of the United States, the rationale and the reasoning thereof. When they talk about Marie Ivanovich, it's almost as though they want you to forget that ambassadors are the uh, work at the pleasure of the president of the United States. Yes, I understand that Congress has a role in approving them, but they don't select them, and they're not in the congressional budget. I mean, they, they should be in the budget that if, if Congress ever decides to do their job appropriately again and actually pass budgets instead of continuing resolutions. But it's a part of the executive budget. It's the president's responsibility. So an ambassador, believe it or not, this may come to a shock, uh, may come to be a shocking sort of experience to know if you're Adam Schiff, but the ambassador works as an extension of the president. Oh, yes, the, the president. The president's responsible for, uh, you know, foreign policy, having these meetings. That's why, that's why, by the way, President Trump is in or was in Davos, Switzerland. Adam Schiff and the other 434 members of Congress and the other 100 senators did not jump on aircraft and fly to Davos. Uh, when there's UN meetings, they're not doing that. When uh, there's negotiations for trade deals with China, excuse me, China, or Mexico, our neighbors to the south, Canada, our neighbors to the north, when those meetings take place, sure, Congress has a role in voting on on certain things, but they're not the ones that are doing that. That's the job of the president. And if the president can't handle these things, the president often will either send his cabinet, which may include his secretary of state or whomever, typically the secretary of state, or or some ambassador, some ambassador that's stationed 
in some place around around the world uh, for relations with these foreign governments to keep either to improve, to maintain these relationships. Those, shockingly enough, shockingly enough, become the responsibility of the executive branch. So if Marie Ivanovich, if Marie Ivanovich doesn't meet to the, the, the satisfaction of, of Trump for whatever reason, he doesn't have to keep her. He doesn't have to keep her. I feel like this is really silly to have to talk about. But this was, a, in large part, what, what was being talked about yesterday. I mean, this thing drones on for on and on and on. You know, it seems like it's a never-ending uh, treasure trove of silliness and make-believe rhetoric and story time. But be that as it may, this, this, is, what, this is the content of what they're saying. And I feel like it's impro- appropriate to make sure that we talk about these things because the president can get rid of an ambassador. The president can replace an ambassador. This is the president's prerogative. And the only reason he would do so, it's crazy. The, the fact that a president would get rid of an ambassador is, is evidence of nothing, right? I mean, we have Democrats and, and media figures who tell us that even when we lost an ambassador in Benghazi, that wasn't evidence of anything, right? So if the president, if the president decides by his own decision... Not you know not not comparing and contrasting the way that an ambassador was dealt with in Benghazi. Of course, the, the left defends this. Nothing wrong there. Nothing nothing happened inappropriately. Who cares that no help was sent? Who cares that uh, they were put at great danger, Chris Stevens and the others, because of political reasons? And this was happening in the the last month or two before the election of 2012. Who cares about any of that? That's what. It, that's by the way what it looks like for someone to put politics and personal interests over the United States of America. That's what it looks like. It looks like Benghazi. It looks like potentially, of course we'll never know because no one will ever really look into this. It looks like the pay for play situation with the Clinton Foundation. I mean it's just coincidental that they went, you know, the year after she lost the election – Right, the the next year, donations to the Clinton Foundation were at a, I think, a fifteen year low or some such thing. Total coincidence. The year before they were killing it, now they can't keep their their doors open. I mean, they, you know, it, it's a mess financially. They had a huge drop. That's what it looks like to put self interest over your nation's interest. Not getting rid of an ambassador. The fact that Trump fires Yovanovitch proves absolutely nothing. Anyway, I gotta take a timeout. I gotta take a timeout because later today I'm gonna play a uh, it's a discussion I had. I'm gonna, I, I welcomed a guest on the program. I had a great time with him. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. He's comedian Jeff Allen. He's going to be playing in Salt Lake City here on Monday for our listeners out in the great state of Utah. I wanted to have him on and and talk about his act. He's got an act called The America I Grew Up In, and it's uh, it's actually pretty appropriate for the sorts of things we get to today. I may have even asked him when politics stop being funny. So we talk about these things and others. So I want to I want to get that in later. So I've got to take an early break here. When we get back, a couple other thoughts about impeachment before we share that interview with Jeff Allen. So I'm going to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
So we have, you know, this this situation where, again, we're going to be subjected to a lot of this. We're going to be subjected to a whole lot of this as we move uh, into the weeks to come. Lots of pressure being placed upon Republican senators to allow witnesses at this early point in the process. It's premature. They can decide to add, to have witnesses later. Again, the whole point at this particular point in the process is to make sure that the Democrats are actually making a case for impeachment. And I've heard media figures fawning all over this. I listened to Chris Wallace of Fox News talking about the the case, the case that the Democrats are making here. Folks, it's – look, they're, they're trying to judge the intentions of Donald Trump, which we're told, of course, he's Satan's spawn. So these intentions can only be evil. They can only be in his own personal interest. He doesn't have the capacity or capability to make a decision that's not rooted in his own personal self-interest. That is the narrative. That's not me. I'm just telling you the narrative. And so, and so of course, the only reason he can fire Yovanovitch is because – of personal reasons because she wasn't in on the the plan, the plan that they hatched to ask Ukraine to interfere in 2020. I mean, it's it's really patently absurd and ridiculous. It, 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 it I just it, it's it's this is what they've got. And if you listen, and I don't blame you if you don't. By the way, th- this this is bad bad political drama. But what they do is they know that the average person doesn't watch this whole thing. So what do they do? They, they they air it all the time so that it's always there so you can check in to see what's being said. The chances are you'll hear the same thing one hour that you heard the previous hour is about 98%. Then they have their talking heads come on, and that's really that's really what they want. They want the talking heads with this stuff going on in the background. They'll come on during the debate – or excuse me, during the breaks – and they'll come on and they'll tell you what you should have heard in case you missed it. In case you missed the past four hours of Adam Schiff up here doing God only knows what, talking about things that put half the Senate to sleep. Did you see that senators are playing with, what, fidget, sp- <laughs> fidget spinners doing crossword puzzles? Look, I don't blame them. I, this would be pure torture for me. I can't sit still and witness this kind of this this is this is complete theater and it's awful theater this is like this isn't even amateur uh, thespians this is this is like the uh, people who just started for the first time it's terrible theater the performance is awful the script that they're reading from is pathetic it's silly it's nonsensical and the intermission, we haven't even – What I guess we, we're getting close to the end of the opening remarks. Crazy stuff. But anyway, this is th- – then these talking heads come on, and they tell you what you're supposed to think. Oh, if you missed the previous four hours of Adam Schiff up there, you missed some of the most brilliant legal work you've ever, you've ever seen. And then they go into this speculation, and they explain how this is the most airtight case against the president of the United States that's ever been – levied in an an impeachment trial and senators are going to have problems denying witnesses why would you deny witnesses unless you were engaged in a cover-up unless you were part of the problem these republican senators they tell us know that trump is a danger and a menace to society he's a authoritative uh, dictator 
and they've got to do something, but they know their constituents won't go for it. What are they going to do? Who's going to be the brave soul to step up and to stand out against this this madness to save America from President Donald Trump? I saw a part of what they call Adam Schiff's emotional plea. I don't think I would call it emotional. I would call it illogical. I don't even know if Adam Schiff, I've not seen any emotion, thankfully. It's it's bad stuff. But anyhow, anyhow, this is what we're told. They're telling you what to think. You know that this is a performance. You knew that this is what we were going to get. And again, we're nowhere near the pinnacle of this thing. And And you have certain Republican senators who don't want to come out and say anything. And I'm telling you, every day this drags along, which is the whole point of the of the witnesses, make this thing as politically damaging as they can to the to the senators in uh, in that, that that chamber, especially those who are Republicans. Make this politically hard on them. This is campaigning, folks. Impeachment doesn't mean that they set campaigning aside. Impeachment is campaigning. That's it. So. I've got to take a break because I want to share this conversation I have with Jeff Allen. So we're shifting gears. We're shifting gears. It's a Friday. I wanted to bring in a guest that I think is hilarious, by the way. If you haven't seen Jeff Allen, you should check out Dry Bar Comedy, or we'll share some other things during the interview that you can check out of his. But he's going to be on next segment, so I welcome him to the program. He's going to be in Salt Lake City on Monday evening. So if you're listening in that area, you should check out Jeff Allen. Um really really liked him in fact i'll go as far to say it's one of my favorite uh favorite interviews and conversations i've had with someone so that being said we'll share that when we return i've got to take a time out though you're listening to conservative not bitter talk i am your host todd huff back in just a minute Welcome back. So it's Friday. We've talked impeachment the first half of the program. If you've missed that, you can you can get the first hour of this program as a podcast for free. Just go to your I don't know your uh, iTunes. If you have a uh, an Apple phone, you can click on the podcast app. The little kind of reddish. I don't know what color that is? A microphone. It's a Maybe a purplish, pinkish color. I'd have to pull the thing up. I'm not looking at it at the moment, but just search for the Todd Huff Show, and you can get our podcast for free. So if you're not able to listen to the entire program on your drive into work or whatever you're doing this lovely Friday morning, you can listen to the rest of the program. Hour two, by the way, kicks off Wednesday, next Wednesday. That said, I want to share this conversation I have with comedian Jeff Allen. I've checked out some of his stuff online. This is... It's just good stuff. He's got a tour called the Amer- the America I Grew Up In. The America I Grew Up In, and I think it would relate to most of you. It's the kind of stuff uh, that, that, that we find both humorous and terrifying with the way that this nation has evolved culturally and, of course, with some of the rules, laws, regulations, and so forth that our government thinks that they need to, to micromanage in your life. So he's got a tour rooted in this comedy. So it's kind of the basis for our, for our conversation here. I had a great time talking with Jeff. Here is my conversation with him. I hope you enjoy. Now, I love doing this, by the way. Joined now by comedian Jeff Allen. 
He is on tour now. He'll actually be at Wise Guys Live Comedy in Salt Lake City, uh, Salt Lake City, 7 p.m. Monday, January 27th. The tour is called The America I Grew Up In. Funny, funny stuff. I've watched a lot of this online, and I'm excited to have Jeff on the program. Jeff, welcome. How are you, sir? Thank you, Todd. So nice that Salt Lake City has dropped the charges and let me come back to that beautiful place. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, we talked to the uh, the prosecutors about that, so you're good to come back. So it's yeah. great to, great to Actually, have you. Actually, I was there years ago with Glenn Beck for his Man in the Moon um, uh concert very cool so I've, was, seen. I've, been, I've been to salt lake before so. very nice very nice well we talk about politics on this on this program every day and i'd like to uh i'd like to think that a healthy sense of humor is what allows me to be able to come on here and do this every day but a lot of folks don't find anything funny in politics or candidly sometimes even in life today so why is that the case <laughs> <laughs> yeah would the yeah, politics stop being funny folks <laughs> Fortunately, they're not coming to my shows. The people that are coming out to see me uh, actually enjoy comedy, and uh, they're not—they're not looking to pick a fight. So that's right. That's good. But what was it? That, I mean, when, when did politics stop being funny? I mean, it seems like you used to be able to joke about these things, but you can't anymore. Maybe you do. Well, that's the America I grew up in, right uh, there. I mean, I, I stood on stage one night and said, you know, in the America I grew up in, we actually got over elections in, oh, I don't know, 24 hours? Yeah. You know? I mean, it really was. It was like, who'd you vote for? Yeah, so-and-so, okay. And then he went out and he had, you know, he had a beer, a, a cup of coffee with somebody. You know, we actually were able to sit in the same room with people who didn't agree with us. Um and that's when I don't know when it crossed over to be the point where you had to drop friends because they don't agree with you politically. I, uh, you know, that's that's the, the the thing that I think is just you know so odd. It is odd, and it's it's unfortunate because I mean I always think you know if you want to persuade someone who doesn't agree with you, I think the first step is at least to be able to be in a room with them or to be to be able to engage. Absolutely, them. and if that's if that's the goal, because I always say that to friends of mine, I, I got friends on, on Facebook from Chicago that are you know they're left of Castro, <laughs> and uh, the stuff they post is just you know uh, I, They've been trashing the NRA. Uh, you know, I'm a lifetime member of the NRA, and uh, they're trashing all the members. And I, and I would DM them, you know, private message them, and say, "Look, you're talking about me." You know, they go, "Well, you're not." And I, and I go, "Well, you can't just take a paintbrush and broadly stroke five million people." That's right. You know, that's intellectually lazy. So I said, if you want to know why I am a member, uh, I said, let's just go out and have a cup of coffee and sit across the table from each other. You know, and it's. And that's the hard part because they may hear something that uh, they 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 might find pragmatic, mm-hmm. you know. And, exactly. Um, yeah. And I, anyway, I don't uh, I, I don't do politics just because sure. it's so divisive. And and you know I'm not going to sway anybody's view in a with a joke, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's you know Tammy and I, my wife and I, we were watching uh, I don't know one of those things years ago, and this is when we made our decision. Uh, they were screaming at each other, and I paused it, and I looked at her, and I go, in all these years we've been watching these, these shows, has anybody looked at the other person and went, you know, I never looked at it that way. Mm, and, yeah. uh, you know, no, because they're not paid to look at it that way. And uh, I would rather sit across the table and, um, and, and talk. And that's always my question to people, you know, when they trash me on Twitter or whatever for making a comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, calling me a, a name, uh, you know, an hominem attack, which seems to be popular. 
And I go, if, is your, if your intent is to persuade me, you're going about it the wrong way. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I have a fairly open mind. I really do. I just need to be, you know, presented with something other than, you know, your, your, uh, and whatever the name yeah. is. Like insert, insert name here. Yeah, exactly. So this yeah. is. Well, that won me over. Yeah. Thank <laughs> That's you. That's right. You That's know? right. Of course, doing what I do, I run into that as, as, as well. But your, your tour, your tour is called the America I Grew Up In. And I think this is something that, that resonates with many in our listening audience uh, in Salt Lake City and Indianapolis and other places around the country. And so um, you you try to relate some of the things – or maybe maybe relate some of the things that you talk about on tour, maybe share some of those things that, that might come up on stage with our with our listeners and, and maybe – Well, this is the whole – the genesis of this whole thing started when I made a comment one night about the car speeds. And uh, I, I, my daughter-in-law wouldn't let my grandson, who's – five years old, 70 pounds, I think he's on creatine, <laughs> into the car without a car seat. And I said, look, I, you know, what age can you take him out? And at seven, nine, uh-huh. 19, here's your <laughs> high school diploma, you get to ride home like a big boy? I mean, I'm going to hurt you hauling in him out of the car. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And then I go on Google, I go on the Google to find out what the age is, and it's not an age, it's a height, four foot nine. <laughs> Four foot nine, which means the entire female U.S. Olympic gymnastic team has to ride on a booster seat to go pick up their gold medals. <laughs> and that's when I looked at my wife and I said, this is out of hand. Yeah. It's at- and, and then I find out that we were so radical as parents. We let our children play in the streets unsupervised. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Tammy and I, we were laying in bed one night. And we said, you know, everything we did raising our children, if we did it today, we, we would lose custody for sure. Mm-hmm. We know that. We just don't know if we'd go to jail or not, but mm-hmm. we would definitely lose custody of our children. And that's really kind of the genesis of the whole thing, was how far the pendulum has swung to, um, you know, uh, and, and here's one, the monkey bars. Mm-hmm. I made a crack on stage one night. I said, you know, I go into the playground, there's no monkey bars. So some woman tells me, well, kids were falling off the monkey bars and hurting themselves. And I said, and? <laughs> that can't be the only reason. And she says, well, it's reason enough. And I said, no, it isn't. I, she goes, where'd you grow up? I said, Chicago. Mm-hmm. I said, our monkey bars were over concrete. <laughs> yeah. So when a kid fell down, they could hose off the blood and then leave <laughs> the chalk line up there as a warning to other kids. You know, and uh, and it's a joke, by the way. I don't yeah, want people to exactly. eat. Exactly. I got emails from people thinking oh, I was gee. dead serious. You're sick. You're <laughs> mentally ill. You know, God's sakes, lighten up. Yeah, well, the, the lawyers have taken over, which I know you, you reference in the uh, in your in your uh, tour as well. So I watched a fair amount of your content online. Again, I think it's it's great stuff. It's funny. It's something I think uh, many of our listeners would connect with. But I want to shift gears slightly here. You, you in one yeah. point of your uh, tour, you mentioned uh, you mentioned C.S. Lewis. You're you're a Christian, as as am I. You mentioned C.S. Yeah. Lewis said, "Suffering is God's megaphone." And so, how does that relate? to the America that, that you grew up in? Well, we, we, we understood that pain was a part of life, and we didn't sue everybody, you know, for and we certainly didn't blame everybody for our pain. Um, and again, I'm not an advocate for pain. I'm just saying, you know, like like with the rollerblading, I, I talk of that's the example I use. My nephew's coming by, and I look at him, and he looks like the Michelin Man, just covered in foam rubber plastic mm-hmm. and and my sister says, I don't want him to get hurt. I said, hurt? He could take a semi at 80 miles an hour in that outfit. <laughs> Falling on concrete is supposed to hurt. That's your incentive to learn to stay upright on the rollerblades. 
you know, and we had scraped knees, we had scraped elbows, we had, you know, broken chip bones, you know, and, and again, I'm not an advocate for it. I'm just saying it's a part of life. And, uh, the greatest changes I've ever made in my life were because of my suffering. That's right. Whether it was my alcoholism and my drug addiction and my marriage, when that was falling apart, it was because of the pain of that, that I was able to make changes, uh, you know, uh, in my life to, uh, to avoid that. But uh, if, if it wasn't for the pain, I would have never made the changes. So let's not just completely look at everything around us and think, well, gee, a pain-free existence is a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't, you know, necessarily, you know. And um, again, suffering, you know, I, I love the line. That's why I use it in my show. C.S. Lewis, suffering is God's megaphone. It's his way of reaching out to us to make changes, you know. And, um, you know, I, I remember so I get in into somebody about the Ten Commandments. They go, oh, oh, that's so ridiculous. Why would God command me? I said, he gave us ten things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, G.K. Chesterton talked about, what is he supposed to list all the things you're allowed to do? Yeah. There'd be millions of them. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> There's ten things you shouldn't do. You know? <laughs> Out right. of all, you know, enjoy a sunset, enjoy a, a, the wind, enjoy the warm weather, enjoy the, the grass, the flowers, the trees. There's a, there's a million things. He could have told you to enjoy, mm-hmm. and there's ten things he said try not to do. You know, yeah, we still and, have uh, trouble, don't we? I know, I know. So you make it clear, and you can hear that from even what you sh- shared there about G.K. Chesterton that, that you're a Christian comedian. As I mentioned, I'm a I believe in, in Christ too. He's the foundation of this program. I, I'm curious, how has your relationship yeah. with God, with Christ as a as a Christian, affected your your comedy? Oh, the peace. Uh, you know, I, I was very blessed. Again, you want to talk about suffering and pain. I, I, the first 15, 16 years of my career were uh, as an atheist, and I was an angry, bitter, jaded, cynical, foul mouth, which it doesn't necessarily trans- you know, mean that you're not going to succeed in comedy. There's a lot of angry, bitter, jaded, <laughs> yeah. cynical, foul mouth, successful comedians. But it wasn't for me, you know. Um, and um, the uh, literally the day after, um, I, I accepted Christ as my my Lord and Savior. This peace washed over me, and it literally changed my attitude. The, the material didn't change much. It was just the way I delivered it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just a lot calmer. And, and, and the example I like to, to give is my wife saw me three or four different times in clubs talking about my marriage, and she left in tears uh, prior to this relationship. And... Um, she was not happy that I became a Christian when I told her. Mm. She was out of town. Our marriage was in, in the process of getting a divorce at the time. We were technically separated, still living in the same house, but we were getting divorced. And she had gone away for the whole summer, and that's when I kind of came to my faith. And when I told her, she was raised by Christians in her home that beat her to senseless. Mm. You know, they were mm. technically Bible-believing Christians and beat her. So when I told her, she said, what does that mean? I said, well, I'm to love you as Jesus loved the church. And she says, what does that mean? I go, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I know he died for the church. So I'm to sacrifice for you. I know that. And she laughed because I was so self-centered for all those years. Well, anyway, it took two weeks, three weeks. She saw a change. It was a definite change in me, definite change. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the change. And that translates through everything in life. Uh, and that's what people don't understand. When when the Holy Spirit takes over your soul, then that works its way out. And basically, it should work its way out in the form of um, of grace and forgiveness. And that's, that's right. what I think is lacking. And you want to talk about politics? I think 
there's not a lot of grace and forgiveness in our culture anymore. And I think that's, um, uh, that's the end result of a secularized, with a capital S, um, culture. You're right. We talk um, about politics and culture, but culture drives politics. You're exactly right. And that's, yes, it does. That's where we find ourselves today. You know, you mentioned, uh, we talked a little bit about Christians and uh, maybe in general there, but uh, we all know Christians who may be a little bit too uptight and serious in life. I'm curious, how do you, how do you view humor and its role maybe in the, in the life of, of a believer? Because sometimes we don't, there's not a, people don't have that sense of humor. They're overly serious or what have you. What, what, what's that relationship? (laughs) Well, it's interesting you bring that up because, um, Years ago, when I toured with Bill Gaither, the singer, uh, the gospel singer, mm-hmm. Bill told me, he goes, a third of my audience will laugh at whatever you do. They're definitely there to have a good time. There's another third that probably won't understand everything you do, but they're also there to have a good time, so they'll laugh along with the first third. And he said, I have a third of my audience that has never been given permission to laugh their entire <laughs> life. They have been told that this walk with Christ on earth is something you endure until you get to the other side and you get to heaven and then you can enjoy life. And he said, if you can make that third laugh, we'll have a long relationship. And after I did my first show, he came over and he said, you got them all, man. Hmm. And I worked for him for seven years. And, um, but I, I never forgot that, that there's a group of Christians out there that have been never given permission to laugh. And they've been told that this is something you endure. And those are the people I want to come out to my, I want them to come out. I want to, I want them to hear, you know, that, that, um, you can laugh. I had a guy send me a two page email, hmm. uh, basically saying that my vocation is a waste of God's time. Really? And, uh, oh, maybe I, it complete with scripture, you know, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, I think talks about laughter as fr- frivolity or something. I don't know. Anyway, I sent him back. I said, I normally don't reply to emails because I get too many, but sure. Yours intrigued me. You must be a joy around Christmas. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Are you kidding me? Laughter? There's so many healing benefits to laughter. It, it, can't, it can't be anything but by design. There's That's right. too many physical benefits to laughing that uh, God, God gave it to us. And you can't tell me that Jesus didn't laugh. That's Are right. you kidding me? You know, no, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll never deny you. What? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're gonna deny me three times. Who do you know? think you are? Yeah, yeah. God has a sense of humor. Yeah, it's, it's obvious yeah. to me, but not to everyone. So again, you're going to be no. in Salt Lake City, Wise Guys Live Comedy on Monday, yes. January 27th, 7 p.m. Maybe tell us uh, a little bit about your tour and any other information you'd like our, our listeners to know about that. Well, it's America I grew up in, and it's just really kind of a tongue-in-cheek look at uh, the generations. It's certainly not a, an indictment on a generation. I've just made some observations mm-hmm. about, you know, some of the things we grew up with. And, um, uh, and again, it's resonating. Um, you know, I wouldn't be doing the numbers that I'm doing if, if people weren't resonating with it. And uh, Gosh, there's probably 60 dates this year already on the books, and um, we're just hitting the, hitting the road, and I'm having a blast, man. I'm, I'm really glad that God has given me, at this season in my life, at the age of 63, um, uh, the, um, the the career that I have, because it's, it's fun. And it's an election year, and That's you've right. got enough 
enough politics. Come on out and take a break, man, and let's just laugh at each other. It's good stuff. I've watched a lot of it online, and uh, you're you're doing great work, and it's uh, it's a joy. You know, something came up. One more question. I wasn't thinking of asking this until you yeah. said something about your wife, but I'm always curious. What is it like for the spouse or, or someone who is often in the material of a comedian? I mean, are, is she a good sport about it? Is there Are there some serious discussions? Well, she has, she has to be. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able You know, I used to do the joke at the end of my show. People ask, you know, is your wife aware of the way you talk about her? I go, no, she thinks I'm a bricklayer. No. You know? <laughs> but this morning, I'll tell you, this just happened. I just posted this on my Facebook page. It will, it'll be up later. I just sent it to my social media guy. But uh, I go out this morning, and I'm given. I said, you know, I'm I'm kind of getting the hint that romance is really kind of over in my marriage. <laughs> I go out this morning. I'm rubbing her neck. I'm kissing her neck. I'm nibbling on her ear and everything. And her comment: she looks at me. She goes, "I need to mop, and I need to do some laundry." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Oh, all right. I'll go downstairs and sit in the office." You know. So I think the romance is dead in my in my home. I really do. And anyway, I ran upstairs after I posted it on a video, um, and I, I'm sending it out because I want women to comment. I want them to let me know: is the romance dead, or is is there still hope? Is there still a spark left? Well, I'm sure and, lots uh, of folks can relate. Anyway, to that. She, I, I showed it to her, and she laughed. She said, "That's great." Send that out. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, Jeff, it's been a pure joy to speak with you. I love what you're doing again. Well, thank you. Tour your tour, the America I grew up in at Wise Guys Live Comedy in Salt Lake City, Monday, January twenty seventh, seven p.m. Check him out, go see him, and uh, Jeff, it's been a pleasure having you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, they can also go to Dry Bar Comedy uh, slash Jeff Allen and uh, see the last Dry Bar special. As a matter of fact, I'm taping another one. Awesome. Saturday should be out in February. So, well, very good. Very sir. cool, Todd. I can't thank you enough, man. Hey, I had a great time, Jeff. God bless. Yeah, God bless. Welcome back. So this is going to be a very, very short segment since we just had that full-length conversation with comedian Jeff Allen, who again will be in Salt Lake City on Monday, Monday evening, 7 p.m., Wise, by, uh, wise Guys Comedy. And uh, look, I this has been – he's – was one of my all-time favorite folks to have on the program. I enjoyed our conversation. I got to share something with you. <clears throat> So it might not seem like a natural uh, connection or fit when talking about someone who's a comedian and someone who hosts a talk radio program, self-syndicated, although I'm sure that you find me just as entertaining and hilariously funny as Jeff Allen. But um, there's a lot of similarities between what a comedian, you know, to, to start as a comedian and to make it to the level that Jeff has. And to start as a self-syndicated talk show host in your bedroom closet, um, th- those are similar paths, different fields, but f- there's some definite similarities. So Jeff was kind enough at the con- uh, conclusion of our interview to spend over 30 minutes, 35, maybe close to 40 minutes, talking with me about some things. Um, and-, and one of the most genuine, nicest People And we've had some great people on. This is not an insult to any – please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I just – 
I was humbled, humbled by the amount of time and the, the, the conversation we had off air because uh, it means a lot to me, especially as we're expanding, adding a second hour, all that stuff, the path before us. Um, I, I learned some stuff from him, and he took the time to do that. I am he, – he's got a fan for life. His comedy is great, but I tell you, I think the guy is even better. So that being said, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeff Allen. I had a great time, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll have him back again someday. He'll be coming to Indy too. It's later, I think, maybe in April, but got to take a timeout. Just simply out of time. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I know we deviated a little bit, not a lot, because again, we talked about it at the beginning of the program, but we did deviate from straight nonstop impeachment discussions, although I did devote the first half of the program to impeachment, and we will devote more, especially as we expand to a second hour, which will happen next week on Wednesday. Thank you for those who um, became members of the conservative Not Bitter Party. Thank you for that very much. You helped us kickstart this hour, too. Thank you to our advertisers Existing advertisers, new advertisers, that's a result uh, that I should say that is is one of the reasons we're, out, we're able to do hour number two starting next week. Also hired a new sales director, John Swadener. John started a couple of weeks ago and is doing a great job. So that is a result of having... Uh, the, the support of advertisers, listeners, and so forth as we kickstart our number two. And so there'll, there'll be a way for you to listen to our two. I know you know some folks are listening on the way to work and so forth, so you can't necessarily catch the whole thing. Hour two is going to be uh, for members only. In fact, I think we're going to call it Total Access, and you'll be able to subscribe for not very much for the year. I think it'll be 25 bucks or some such thing. Um, just to get access to that second hour digitally. So we'll work on that, getting that set up so that when hour two hits next week, you'll be able to do that, more information as that becomes available. But anyway, I'm grateful. I'm glad we had Jeff on. Laughter is. Laughter is a great medicine. So have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to next week, kickstarting hour number two. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. SDG. Take care, guys.